On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be talking about taxes, which yes, I know, make you gurgle with enthusiasm, but 2020 that you, now we got tax day up, is up in a couple of days and 2020 was a very strange year. A lot of stuff going on. Interesting. Yes. Interesting things with taxes. We'll talk about that one. We're also going to talk about how to end sporting events. I don't mean end them, like end them, end them as in not have them. But there is a baseball league that has come up with a new way to end a tie game, not just playing innings until it's done. If baseball can do it, and we'll tell you what that is, what could the other sports do as gimmicks to end games? Well, we'll talk about it. Stay with us. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I know that every time you think of what comes up at the end of April, it it, it excites you. I mean, it really moves you to a state of... You're almost vibrating with excitement when you think, hey, I finally have a deadline to get my taxes done or not. Now, some of us, I did mine last weekend. It is just, it is always, always one of the high points of the year that I look forward to much like I look forward to going and seeing the dental hygienist and having her dig those sharp metal objects into my gums. Not exciting, but necessary. And there's some interesting things that are on the table this year. You know, normally we wouldn't necessarily talk about taxes just for the sake of taxes. 2020 was a very interesting, very unusual year. I want to bring in Thee Convery. She is a wealth advisor. She is also a columnist that you will read regularly in the Hamilton Spectator. She joins us now. Thee, thanks for doing this today. Hi there, Scott. Accomplishment. Uh, Thee has been, and I think still is, a long distance, I mean long distance, not like 10 laps of the pool, like long distance swimmer of great renown has swam across Lake Erie. I don't know how that helps with taxes, but that is very cool nonetheless. So Determination, determination is what it takes. You know, uh, uh, it is not something I could ever imagine, no matter how much I trained that I could ever do. I don't know if it's just determination, but I'm certain that that's a part of it for sure. You got it. You got it. Just like filing your taxes. Well, here before we get into the taxes, let me ask you this. You do you help with people's taxes. You do people's taxes. Do people who do people's taxes professionally enjoy it? <laughs> I've always wondered if you sit there and go, hey, great, tax season coming up. Uh, well, if you're a chartered professional accountant, which I'm not, so I assist individuals as a wealth advisor in filing their yep. income tax returns. But, of course, for some folks, that's their cup of tea if, uh, if they study that. And uh, they actually get a kick out of helping people prepare and file their taxes to, to CRA. And God bless the fact that we have them because then we don't have to do it ourselves. Indeed, yes. If you are one of those people who likes doing taxes, um, thank you for doing that. Uh, although I might suggest you go get your head examined. Nonetheless, we're glad you're out there and we're glad you're doing it. Um, you know, I th- actually th- think they see it as a, a jigsaw puzzle. Well, Here's yeah. the income that's coming in and here's the rules that we have to follow and how within the confines of those rules can we send the least amount of taxes to Revenue Canada while still doing our, our part as, uh, as taxpayers. Fair enough. I mean, when you put it that way, it, I almost want to go back and do my taxes again and make it a challenge. There you go. Maybe, but I'm not going to. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, once was more than enough, thank you. Um, there has been, and we, we wanted to bring this up today because you know, every year there's changes to the tax code and everything else, but there's some very unusual stuff that happened in 2020, largely because of COVID. 
Uh, we had the CERB that came out. We had some unique tax breaks that were given because of this kind of thing. Um, other stuff happened. Do you think this year, because so many people have been affected in so many unique ways and their taxes are going to look so different from other years, do you think Canada revenue is going to be its usual self and really, I don't want to use the word aggressive, but really coming after people for things that are unusual? Or do you think this is going to be the year that I'm not encouraging misbehavior by any stretch, but do you think this may be a year when, you know, it's not quite as stringent? Uh, No, except there's always going to be a delay with CRA. So they're busy right now receiving tax returns, taking a peek at them, looking for any red flags that might pop up. I have a suspicion if they're going to be uh, going through it with a fine-tooth comb, we will not see that until the fall. Perhaps uh, August, September, October, an individual may receive notice from CRA that they have an, uh, an inquiry. So, so don't fret if you get an inquiry from Revenue Canada. They may just ask for more supporting documentation. And actually, that happens to about one out of ten tax returns, that they're simply an inquiry. Revenue Canada is looking for, for something to support it. So, Scott, can you remember years ago, you and I are old enough, that we used to co- actually collect the paper documents, and we filled out a paper tax return, and we got duplicate slips, and you'd send all of the paper in with your paper tax return. You, you and I can certainly remember that. Yes. And in doing so, Revenue Canada would have the slips to actually look at and so they didn't have as many inquiries. Now, because most of us file electronically, they may say, hey, you've claimed an RSP contribution, or you've claimed a charitable receipt or medical expense. We actually don't have the supporting documentation. And so they'll randomly select taxpayers to just say, could you please send us the supporting documentation? And if you have it, please hang on to all your slips. You send it in, and then... Um, um, that's that's it with Revenue Canada. Of course, if you don't have the supporting documentation, then they will request uh, further slips. So make sure you hang on to it, number one, and of course, make sure that everything you're claiming that you have, uh, in fact, is true and correct. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. You said something really interesting just before the break, and I've never understood this, which is, Yes, if you put down these these deductions or receipts or whatever else, the CRA can send you back something asking, hey, can you please validate that you've got this? Why not yes. just ask for those online, ask for a number? Surely there's a way they could just say, what's your receipt number and what's the name of the company you got it from? And then they wouldn't have to, because people hate getting those letters saying you're being looked at. Even though it's yeah. only a warning or a look at, they hate it. Why not just make it all one process? Doesn't it turn all of our stomachs when we get the envelope in the middle yes. and it's, yes. it's CRA in the top corner? Yeah. So that's a brilliant idea. Uh, co- coordinating all of that with Revenue Canada, now called Canada Revenue Agency, would be a very smart move. And in fact, um, more recently, as we've all kind of moved to this online world, some of those receipts are sent to Revenue Canada. So. T3 slips, T4 slips, so T3 is, comes off investment income, T5s off of dividend income, and T4, that's earned income. Uh, you'll also get a T4 RRSP 
if you've done a withdrawal from your registered retirement savings plan. And financial institutions do, in fact, send duplicates of those electronically to Revenue Canada, so they can line those up. It's other things like medical receipts, charitable receipts, um, those sorts of things uh, Revenue Canada would not have an electronic copy of, and so that's where they're going to inquire. So your idea is brilliant, uh, and in fact, we do it with some receipts. One of the things, and I said this in the introduction before I brought you on, was that one of the things I want to talk about, I was reading a couple things about red flags and some lists mm. that people have posted of things that will get you noticed, and there's things like um, re re running a mostly cash business or working in the family business and paying all your family members or, or my favorite one that I can't believe anyone would be dumb enough to do, which is, you know, buying thousands and thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stuff and then reporting, you know, $10,000 of income. I just can't believe anyone would be stupid enough to do that, but okay. But the one that really struck me as unusual and odd is they said in these, in every one of these stories I read, that if you give a lot of money to charity, yeah. they are going to red flag you. And it seems to me that, you know, we're, we want to encourage people to give money to charity, not to make it a suspicious thing, which again, I may, maybe again, it just comes to, well, people will take advantage, but it seems like it's treating people like criminals almost if they're charitable. So, um, Revenue Canada, so a red flag, is something that they're looking for that's out of place or somewhat bizarre. So if you always give large charitable contributions in a year, then that will not appear bizarre to Revenue Canada. If you have had zero history of charitable, con charitable contributions, and then in one given year you've donated $100,000, that's just going to look bizarre. Ditto if you've never made an RRSP contribution, Register Retirement Savings Plan, and then you suddenly put in $100,000. If you've never had a medical expense, and now you're claiming $100,000 of medical expenses. So that just seems unusual to them, and that it would be, if you were going to inquire, that would be a good place to start looking. But of course, that those things could entirely be legitimate. If you've inherited some money and now can uh, you have the cash available to top up your RSP, by all means, that might be a really smart move. If you became ill or disabled and suddenly had significant medical expenses, then, of course, that's legitimate as well. Uh, if you won some mo uh, money in, a, in, in the lotto and want to be generous and donate a, a nice sli slice of that to your favorite charity, then it would not come off as bizarre mm. that you've made a $100,000 donation. So I anything that's out of place, um, you might be reporting a large capital gain, maybe a quarter of a million dollars, and, and it's once out of a blue moon. Where we generally see that happening is if someone has sold a, a cottage, second property, right. yep. and yep. that becomes taxable or uh, a rental property. Those are taxable to there's certain um, uh, requirements that are re required to, um, to report that. Um, and so that would come up as a red flag, not uh, necessarily something you've done wrong, just an inquiry. Yeah. And, and many of the places that I read said, I, I was wondering what would be the level that would rise to suspicious in the eyes of the CRA. And many of them said like 5%, if you give 5% of your net to charity, 
that would be enough to flag it. And again, I thought, boy, that, that doesn't seem like we're holding the bar very high for people if that is unusual. That doesn't necessarily speak to the CRA. That may speak more to us as people about how much we're not giving to charity that 5% would alert them. Just a thought. Well, uh, particularly in this last given year, if folks are having trouble making their mortgage payment yes. or, yep. or the rent payment uh, due to loss of income. But uh, not everyone. Uh, not, no, by no, by no means. In fact, some individuals have made more money this last year, uh, not on the backs of COVID, but if their business involves that, you could well see that they would have done well. If, uh, if, yeah. if you own Amazon, you've done particularly well this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish we had a lot more time. Sorry, Thea, I wish we had a lot more time because i got a lot more things I want to ask you. But unfortunately, we are short on time this evening. Uh, and plus, I have to let people get to their taxes. Now, they're so inspired by listening to you that they're going to want to rush up and do by hand all of their taxes. Uh, listen, we're going to have you back on again. Say that again. You've got till midnight Friday. There you go. We're going to have Thee back on again soon. You're fantastic. I really appreciate you taking some time tonight. Thanks for doing this. Be well. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring in a guy. We love having him on the show. He is a friend of the show. He is a guy who has done his time as a sportscaster. He has been in the sports world. He's a sideline official at Buffalo Bills games and... And he is a very good buddy of our friend, Bubba O'Neill. In fact, he did years on Burlington Television as a co-host with Bubba O'Neill. His name is Steve Foxcroft. How are you, Steve? Scott, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm settled in when we got, yeah, mentioning Bubba. We got some tough news, you know, the last week. He kind of, he got the COVID and he's hospitalized and we hope he's on the better side of it. That's what we're hearing. And uh, anyway, just uh, for, for people who, uh, you know, we're glad that if, look, I understand that these things are, you know, companies can't say these things because of personnel issues and stuff, but I'm glad it's finally able to be out. Because, you know, look, what, what amazed me, I wrote something about it in the paper because I spoke to Bubba yesterday and he knew I was writing about it. Uh, the outpouring, the number of people on Twitter and on Facebook and everywhere else, it, it is amazing how many people know and apparently love Bubba. He, yeah, he is beloved by everyone. And in fact, I told him that. I'm sure you did too, because not only was he getting inundated, but I know you and I were too. As your story got out there and people were finding out, they were reaching out to us because they wanted to reach out to him. And, you know, you're in the hospital for a reason too. So we know people be patient. Bubba will get to you. But, uh, you know, he's there for a reason and he's not feeling, he's not in tip top shape right now. And, you know, I love it that if I can tell a story back back from the day with Bubba, he his name's Clint O'Neill, and he and I went to high school. I went to high school in Hamilton and Burlington, and back out in Burlington, we had a big rival with Assumption, and Bubba was Mr. Assumption, and I was at M.M. Robinson, and we went at it playing football uh, for years, and he loved it because I was the quarterback, and he would come and just try and kill me every game but we also had this affection for broadcasting and we would do like the PA announcing and just all that kind of stuff and lo and behold we end up attending radio broadcasting at Mohawk College together so the first day of school as you know a lot of times they do it in business and in school get up and introduce yourself and they go around the room 
And Bubba went ahead of me and he got up and he introduced himself as Clint O'Neill and told a little bit about himself. And then when it came around to me, I pointed out to the people in the room that he lied to them because his name isn't Clint O'Neill. It was Bubba. And nobody <laughs> calls him Clint. Right? Like, have you ever called him Clint? His the only person call him Clint. The only person I can think of in the world who goes by Clint. Well, there's two people who I would think of who who I know of as Clint. One is Clint Eastwood, obviously. <laughs> And the other is Clint Howard, Ron Howard's little brother, who's in all of his movies. But those are the only two Clints that I can think of. So I I corrected him and then to everyone. And of course, even now to this day, all our radio broadcasting friends, we've remained friends on Facebook and stuff like that. Everyone, it's just Bubba. And everyone is concerned for Bubba. So yeah, affectionately known as Clint Bubba O'Neill, but just Bubba. There you go. Let me ask you a question. There was a story that moved uh, today or last night, I'm not sure, in the last little while, that uh, we've seen this before. We, we saw Mike Tyson um, come back out of retirement and fight Roy Jones the other day, oh, a few months ago, I guess now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was you know, it was okay. Um, you know, they didn't really... Like Mike Tyson didn't really try to kill Roy Jones. Like it's not like the old days when Mike Tyson would come in the ring and if you were his opponent, you would be if you would be fearful that if he didn't knock your block off, he'd bite your ears off. I mean, there was no fear. This was an exhibition. Well, now Mike Tyson says he's coming back in September and he's fighting against Lennox Lewis. Do you have any interest in watching well, old guys who have been long retired come back and fight again? No, and remember, before he fought uh, Roy Jones Jr. last November, he was trying to get it with Holyfield, but they couldn't get the money uh, set up. And you're right, like, legit, he'll bite your ear off, which he did to Holyfield already. But with this, I'm sorry, it does nothing for me. Like, Mike Tyson looks it, right? He's got his physique back, and he looks great for a 54, 55-year-old guy. But... To do this, and like you said, they go, it's an exhibition. It's truly an exhibition. And this is more along the lines of pro wrestling, in my opinion. Save this for Vince McMahon and WrestleMania. And, you know, Lennox Lewis, I heard him say, like, if, the, if there's an appetite for it, then I'm interested in it. But Lennox Lewis, he, like, it's like you and I having a scrap back in high school, and then 20 years later, we want to renew it. Lennox Lewis, like he actually beat Mike Tyson when they first yeah. fought in 2002. Yeah, I look, I, I, I like your idea of the Vince McMahon thing. Like make this a, one of the cards on a WrestleMania, pay them each the million bucks or whatever they're mm-hmm. going to get and, and make it a three round exhibition between wrestling or people, the WrestleMania, WrestleMania fans would go for that watching Mike Tyson do it again. The one way I'm interested in watching Mike Tyson fight and I'm not, look, I'm not saying I have no interest in watching Mike Tyson. He remains a fascinating character. Can't exactly explain why, but there is just something about Mike Tyson that re- remains intriguing. But I only want to see Mike, T- Mike Tyson fight if he's fighting a real fighter. Like if he wants exactly. to come back and fight a 25 or 26 or 27 year old guy who's the 20th ranked heavyweight in the world, I will watch that all day long. And that's what it has to be. Like, that's what you're saying. It's got to be true competition. And, you know, the one thing about Mike Tyson, right, he's got, he's like the modern day Don King in that he is a promoter. 
he knows what he's doing that way. Like when they first fought Lennox Lewis, he, he threatened he was going to eat his children. But he went <laughs> off the wall, if you remember, right? But he gets it done that way. But it has to be legit. And you're right. Like find out where you are on the ladder and, and take on one of these top contenders. And if it's legit, then fight for something else. Can we just talk about Lennox Lewis for a second too? Because sure. he's the other part of this. The Remember, he's got ties to our area. Grew up in yep. Kitchener, went to Cameron Heights, won OFSA, played basketball here in Hamilton. You know, so he's he's got connections to our area. And and here's the thing, Lennox Lewis, uh, so uh, I don't know, eight years ago now, nine years ago, I don't know when it was, there was a night, they called it the Night of Champions in Hamilton, and they brought in Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, uh, Larry Holmes, and... Can't remember who the fourth not fighter was. Foreman, I'll think of it in a second. Foreman. It might be George Chavallo. I think yeah. it might have been George Chavallo. Okay, yeah. And right. I emceed that night. And so I got the opportunity not only to talk to these guys, but I got to sit and talk with Lennox Lewis for a little bit, just, you know, off to the side. Mm-hmm. He is a, you know, we, we don't think of fighters, fairly or not, we don't think of fighters as intelligent guys because they're a whole intelligent guy. Like this is this is not a guy who is so dopey from fighting that there's nothing else going on in that cranium except to say, Oh, I got to go hit somebody like that's Mm -hmm. not him at all. And so either there's such a missing part that they miss the fight game so much, or they miss being on the, in under the spotlight or in the spotlight so much, or they want to be able to do this because they think the money is there either for themselves or for some charity. But I don't know. I just, it, it just, it, it, he seems like too smart a guy almost to do this. And Lennox did a good job as an analyst on top-ranked boxing for about 10 years. He was calling fights and so on, and he, he did a good job. And that proves your point about he was articulate. Now, yes. let me ask you this. Jason need the money, however. I don't, I don't know. He might. But he even might. his last fight, the one with Roy Jones, apparently none of that money was going to him. Mm-hmm. It all went to charity somewhere. Yeah. So he's not even yeah. doing it for that. Here's the thing. And again, Mike Tyson to me, is not an exhibition fighter. There is nothing... Well, he's trying to redo himself a little bit as warm and cuddly, and he can be. When he does the... What was the um, the movie he did? Uh, not... Um, bachelor Party. Not Bachelor Party. What was the... Uh, it, it, you well, know, people know what I'm talking well, about. He was in hangover. hangover. Yeah, Hangover. Hangover. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah, he's become... He's repositioned himself as a bit of a mm. funny guy and whatever, and that's great outside the ring. But mm-hmm. there is no Mike Tyson as warm and cuddly doesn't work in the ring. When he no, puts the I, boxing shorts on and the gloves on, what you want to see from Mike Tyson is an animal. And you can't do that in an exhibition when the other guy is old. And if you hit him too hard, you hurt him. What you want is him to be able to go in and just unleash the beast. And then you know what? When he's done his fight, he can come out of the ring and be that warm, cuddly guy again. That's totally fine. Do you think, what do you think he would be like in that, like a legit fight against a 25-year-old top contender? I don't think he would, well, no, those those are two different things. I don't think that he would beat one of the top contenders now, but a guy who's top 20 or top 25 in the world, but down near the bottom of that top 20 or 25, based on what we saw against Roy Jones, that he still has some speed. The two things we don't really know from that fight is, with age, can he take a punch and what's his stamina like? Could he go for 10 rounds or even eight rounds 
going in a real fight. We don't know that, but I, you know, I look, I, I, what we saw, I, I wouldn't, if I was a 25 year old who was ranked 20 or 21st in the world, I would be terrified of Mike Tyson for two reasons. One, because he's Mike Tyson. And two, if you, I don't care if it's Mike Tyson, if you lose to a 55 year old dude and you think you're on your way up to a heavyweight championship, that's the end of your career. Yeah, you're done. Now, the other, the other thing, I don't think it would sell if it is a 15 to 25 guy in the in the rankings. I think it has to be a top 10 guy, like number eight contender or something like that for his first fight back. If it's lower than if it's lower than the top 10, I think it it has even less appeal than the exhibition against the Lennox Lewis that type of thing because mm-hmm. you know he should he should as a former champ maybe be able to beat those guys and in that example too it's just hit before you get hit and that's what he's that would have to be that's his only game plan if you're his trainer you just go out there make sure you hit him first don't get hit and you got a chance i think i think a fight no matter who it's against i think a one i think the first fight would sell because they people bought into the roy jones thing when they knew these were two older guys I think just to see him fight a real active fighter would sell. But then after that first one, even if he did well, then you're right. Then I think, okay, we've now seen that. We know he's legit or not. And so Mm -hmm. then it has to be someone who's good. Anyway, that's it's it's an interesting one. They say they're going to do it. I don't know if they will or not. Who knows? I mean, who knows any of this stuff if it'll happen, but they say it will. All right. Got a few minutes. I want to ask you about something else that I read about today and that I'm, I'm, I am vacillating. I'm going back and forth on whether this is the greatest idea ever or the stupidest idea ever. And it comes from the Pioneer League in baseball. Now, Pioneer League is an affiliated league with Major League Baseball as a farm league. It's well down the pecking order. It's not AAA baseball. So it's not your top, top prospects that are just ready to go into the majors, but they're teams that are tied to Major League Baseball. They are doing extra innings. So tie games after nine innings, you know, in baseball, you play the game. Now, the last couple of years, they've started the extra innings with a runner on second base. That has sped things up. But the Pioneer League, Steve, is saying even that takes too long. And we don't want to wear out our pitchers. We don't want fans mm-hmm. to have to stick around. We are going to do the thing that we have come up with here that we believe is going to sell the game. If our games are tied after nine innings, we are having a home run hitting contest for the, to win the game. So basically a shootout. They're going right to a shootout. No overtime, right right to a shootout. You know, at least the NHL plays three on three. They are going to, you'll get five pitches. I'm assuming five pitches from your own person. So setting you up, like basically your third base coach throwing batting practice, basically. Right. Right. So you're going to have five pitches each. And at the end of those five pitches, Mm -hmm. whoever has hit the most home runs wins, which sounds like a... Some people are going to say this is a fantastic idea. I'll tell you, the, are they going to go to all the trouble to roll onto the field, the you know the pitchers yeah. for batting practice, the pitchers' cages and stuff? Because what's going to happen is you just know Murphy's Law. Like game three of this experiment, the 82-year-old third base coach who's throwing batting practice is going to take a fat, like a line drive shot right up and hit him right in the forehead, and that's the end of that plan. Exactly. Like I th- I can see them condensing it like just bring out the screen and a bucket of balls but not the tarps and all that kind of stuff right and now i'd say this will play one inning with them starting on second base first like so then you're getting out to the nhl theory of we've tried to settle it by one inning 
like in, in hockey, five minutes of overtime, three on three. So try to settle it with one innings with the guy on second and then consider this home run derby type of thing to settle it. I, I'm not a big fan, though. I'm not, I'm not into it too much. I just say get the guy on second and someone's going to score quickly. The thing that baseball has, though, Scott, like big Blue Jay guy, love watching the games, but boy, between pitches, you can make a sandwich. You know, yep. and and it they need to speed it up that way. There is it, what's so funny about that is that in the playoffs, when the games are super intense and every pitch matters, that time between the pitches is terrific. People actually it, it works because you're building up the drama and you're building up the tension and everything else. In the regular season, when it's game ninety five of one hundred and sixty two, you're right. It's like, dude, come on. Like, stop walking around the mound and playing with the rosin bag. Just get on the mound and throw the ball. Uh, and, and it, you know, I, I love, one of the things I love about baseball is, and I may be a fossil with this, I love the lack of a clock. I love mm-hmm. the fact that baseball plays at the pace that it does and that you can have a 25-inning game if it just goes on and on and nobody can score. Or they match each other or whatever. I love that. How many but, times you know have what? you left a Jays game and got home though, and watched the end of it on TV. I don't go to that many games, so probably the answer is zero. <laughs> I um, had it happen like more than once. Yeah. Oh, I know. Look, I know people will leave and will now be, you know, on the the go train or on the subway in Toronto, and they'll be following the end of it. I mean, absolutely, I, I get that. Um, and I know, as I say, I know I'm a fossil because I know, you know, we live in a society now where, look, if, if you go onto YouTube or you're playing a video game on an app on your phone and it says that there's going to be a 15 second commercial. You're upset that it's not one of the five second commercials that sometimes you get, or that you can't hit the skip ad button because we're so impatient at 15, 15 seconds, Steve, that's 15 seconds. It's way our time, our, our attention span is so small now that I get that a lot of these teams and sport and people in baseball leagues are saying, how do we speed this thing up? I'm just not sure a home run derby will do it. We are fossils. And I'll tell you what, we need this. If I'll, I'll end with this, Dan Shulman, I could listen to him forever. Like they can have an hour between pitches when Shulman is calling the game. And I'm glad to hear that his son is starting to call minor league baseball games. Is so, he? Yep. Starting this year, he's doing it at some uh, small, I forget where it is, but it's down. I think it's in the South somewhere. And he's starting to call games kind of like the pioneer league type of thing, what you address. So you know what, like father, like son, you plant corn, you get corn. So we may have a lot of showmen in the years ahead, that style, that voice and that, and that, well, means, I hope that was a feel good story. I hope he's got his dad's dulcet tones. I mean, I've never, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever met the kid, but I, I mean, I hope he doesn't have the squeaky pipes. If he's got his dad's voice, man, he is, uh, He's riding a gold mine or gold train right, right there. That's uh, that's beautiful if he's got so that. I just think, yeah, I'm going to say he does because I haven't heard him either uh, calling games. But let's just say, you know, it's in the genes. So let's we could so. be in for some good good announcing for the years ahead. Okay, so let me ask you this then. We'll let you go and we got to run. Baseball in this one league is going directly to home run competition to end the games. In the other main sports then? Could you ever see in basketball, say, a three-point shooting competition to end the game? Can't see it. Can't see it. I like the CEBL. Let's bring in Mike Morielli for a second. Uh, and Joe Razzo. They have the Elam ending. 
where you just add nine points and play to nine for the one team and whatever the other team has to do. So let's do the Elam ending. I think that's way better than a three-point shooting. You know, now I, this is going to sound totally silly. You know, what would work with the NBA and I, I'm being what they they would never Steve in a bazillion years do this, but you know, what would work if you don't want to play the overtime in basketball, which always moves pretty quickly. So it's not a big problem. Horse, your two best players are sent out there to play a game of horse for overtime. That's better. I like that better than three points. That's All right, that good, would, actually. Like now it. that would they'll never I mean obviously that's stupid they're never going to do that but see that fans I think would be all over that one because now you got guys working on what moves can I come up with that the other guy's not going to be able to do and I've yeah. all right football what could you do with football you can, I mean a football. field goal kicking competition is more boring than anything anyone could possibly come up with so what would be the thing you could yeah, do you can't do field goals and you know in football they've tried to really do the onside kick thing too where they've tried to change the rules to make that and I know that's not an overtime situation, but I kind of like the college way where you start at, say, the 20 or 25-yard line and go in from there, and it's kind of like baseball innings from there, right? you got to match or beat what the other team did. So yeah. I think in football, it's not bad right now. But but we're looking for a gimmick. What I mean, oh. baseball's going... So the only one I could think of with football is we're talking on the fly here. I hadn't thought of this before. Remember the old... There used to be a show they would do with the quarterback challenge uh, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was in the off season and they would drive a golf cart that had a tire hanging yeah. from it. And at different distances, the quarterback had to throw the ball and hit the targets or throw through the tires. See that you bring out like five golf carts at different distances and you get points for the quarterback and hitting he, the target. Yeah. That's not bad. Or the old superstar show that Tony Gabriel yep. kept winning, yep. you know, um, climb a wall, jump through the tires, jump over a thing of water. Now you can't have that set up, but Something like that. But I like your idea, the skills competition with the accuracy, throwing it through a tire, a moving target too. Yeah. And for hockey and for hockey, they've got the shootout. I'm bored to death of the shootout. I am pushing that with hockey to do the same kind of gimmicky ending. If the game is tied, all the team, both teams retire to their bench and you send out your tough guy and they meet at center ice in the center circle and it's a fight and whoever goes down, the other team wins the game. Bring the goons back into play. That's right. Bring Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis back. <laughs> you imagine the Toronto Maple Leafs are pleased to announce the signing of Russian heavyweight Vladislav Yurkovic, who is now our designated overtime fighter. Oh, that would be tremendous. You're on to something there, as usual. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to be in touch with all the various leagues and suggest yeah. they listen to our ideas. Way better than what they got. You got it. Steve Foxcroft, always love having you on. Thanks for taking the time today. Appreciate this. Appreciate it, and get well soon, Bubba. Absolutely, 100%. We'll talk to you soon. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening. 911. 
Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.